0: Hello there. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. Now, on today's episode, it is a Halloween special, so it is a little bit spooky. Um, but of course, I am, as always, your host, Deck. And I'm joined by Key and Claudia with a K, who are, of course, wearing special Halloween costumes for today's episode um, that you can't see, obviously, because this is a podcast. Um, But on this Halloween special episode, we've decided to review Psycho, and not the 90s remake with Vince Vaughn, the original, the classic Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Let's see it, sure. So, guys, what is this spooky story all about, Psycho? Even though it's not really a
1: horror film, is it? more of a thriller. Well, I think one thing we can take away from this film is, if a guy says his best friend is his mother, run. That's kind of scary, no? But... Ooh. But in more words... uh, we discover more about the Bates family and the unfortunate souls that come across their path throughout this movie. Uh, some by chance, others searching for missing people. They wonder what is up with the Bates Hotel and the reclusive Mrs. Bates while her son runs the hotel. We can tell something is off with Norman, but over the movie we slowly discover more until near the end when it is revealed what was happening all
2: along. Believe it or not, I have to live with that. But anyway, Keith, that is a very ambiguous description indeed. I mean, over decades, this has been claimed to be one of the best Hitchcock's movie. But I think it's just the best known and most talked about. Not necessarily Hitchcock's best work. I remember you mentioned... Deck, I remember you mentioned while we were watching that it was a a bit of a bumpy ride for Hitchcock to make this movie. So basically, for those who wonder about the ins and outs of this, Peggy Robertson, Hitchcock's assistant, read positive review of the novel in Criminals at Large Column in New York Times and decided to show the book to her employer. Hitchcock was like, ooh, Peggy, let's make it. However... Paramount had already rejected the premise for, uh, for a film, Heartbroken Hitchcock, and I am saying it with inverted commas. He acquired rights to the novel and got some some of his TV buddies and funded it himself. But just to bring it back to the story, there are really two stories at play here. Well, maybe more. But first things first, uh, from the top... Real estate secretary Marion Crane and her boyfriend, Sam, discuss their inability to get married because of Sam's debts. And instead of a small bulb going off in her head that Sam may not necessarily be the best husband material, Marion returns to work, steals $40,000 um, and sets off to drive to Sam's home in Fairvale, Calif- Fairville, California. She takes small break for a snooze and then her suspicious behaviour rises eyebrow of a police officer and triggers chain of events, let's say. That leads Marion to the Bates Motel at last. Here she hides money in the newspaper because obviously there's no better place to hide money. She dines with Bates, accidentally overhears private conversation with Bates's mother, although not that private if you can hear it from another building. Anyway, she then decides to drive back to Phoenix in the morning to return the stolen money. Now, this is where things go wrong. We have the famous shower scene, Marion's body and the shiny new car gets disposed of, and yes, the newspaper with money is gone too, but at this stage, who cares about that? The aftermath, of course, uh, Marion's boss hires private detective to retrieve the money. Investigator meets Marion's sister, Leila and Sam, asking about her whereabouts. Eventually, detective ends up at the Bates Motel, goes for a snoop, which obviously would be alarming Bates. And of course, the body and the car end up in the bog. I guess he found Marion and the money after all, just in a little bit of different circumstances. Finally, Layla and Sam decide to go on a mission to find out what has happened to Marion and Abergast. They alarm the local uh, sheriff and we then learn Bates' family backstory about his mother's murder-suicide. Sheriff, the best way I can put it is, uh, unimpressed about the story, uh, told by Sam and Layla and just kind of brushes it off as, ah, Jesus, detective lied and run away with the money. Layla and Sam, however, are unimpressed about this and they go to Bates Motel themselves. We then learn about what happened to, uh, Bates's mother and kind of his, a little bit about his backstory. Of course, they learn that Marion is gone. And all of this uh, leads to Bates' arrest and further background about his psychological condition. We have a bit of a too much spoon feeding of audience explaining um, Bates' backstory, his psychological damage, etc. Finally, I think we have the most impressive inner monologue um, by Bates that wraps up the movie, The End.
0: Okay, thank you for that. So, with the likes, I guess, I mean, look, this is a film that I've seen plenty of times. Um, Haven't seen it in a couple of years, so, you know, it is still very fresh in my mind, but, you know, it kind of reminds me of, like, what I really like about this film. Um, And I know a few of our points are probably going to cross over each other, but, I mean, just one topic to begin with, the cast... What do we think of the cast? Perkins, this was kind of a standout role for him. It kind of launched him into a different, I suppose, direction in his career, really. I mean, he was kind of a romantic lead, a comedy lead before this.
1: Well, I think when Alfred saved so much money on his production crew going with TV staff, he really was able to chase after the actors he wanted.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, Hitchcock kind of using as props... I don't think this is, you know, a film where you do have very strong performances. Anthony Perkins is obviously amazing trout in the lead role as Norman Bates. Um, and I know, Key, you have a... We were kind of chatting beforehand that he is a brilliant scene partner. Anyone he's in a scene with, just as perfect energy to bounce off of. Um, but with the supporting cast, of course, we know Janet Leigh. Um, infamous actress, of course. Um, for a particular shower scene. um, What did we think of her performance?
1: Does really well in this film. They have the starting story about her taking the money and building suspense with it. So we see these anxious movements of her. She gets through internal monologues where she is reacting to those. It all is good for building tension scene and she really kind of brings you into her story which in your role, scheme of the film, mightn't last as long as you might think.
0: Yeah, and I I think that a credit to the direction and a credit to her because even with those inner monologues, you can see it, the fear in her eyes of, like, what have I done? And you know she's on the run with the money and things like that, but uh, when she do, does get to the motel and there is a particular scene with her and Bates, I suppose, chatting, um, you know, it, it, just how... She is this motherly type figure towards him. I think she gives off that energy so well. You got to remember at the time when this film was being made, the skill of an actor like that was not unheard of. It was just underutilized, really, I think, is the the easiest way to kind of describe that. Further to that, of course, there's a couple of good character actors in the supporting cast. Um, And one... Major standout for me has always been uh, Vera Miles, who was originally the um uh, the the asked lead, I guess, for, for Hitchcock's previous film before Psycho Vertigo uh, in 1958, which unfortunately he didn't get to use her for. Um, so she does show up here, and yeah, she's just the classic blonde, you know. Character, really, you know, kind of nearly that horror last girl element. Um, you know, you you got it has that little feeling to it. Also, a tremendous scream. Um, towards the end of the film. Don't get me wrong. I know there's a few screams throughout this film, but Vera Miles one just, I don't know. It just sits so perfectly. It's not a. Screeching scream, it's not a oh no, I gotta scream, it's a proper oh shit scream.
1: Would you title that scream worthy of a queen?
0: Yes, but here's the weird thing if you give Vera Miles the scream queen, then Janet Lee, who is of course a horror icon, I guess, because of this film, and our daughter Jamie Lee Curtis is also a horror icon. You're going to have, you know, is Vera Miles challenging the cr- the crown of the Scream Queen here?
1: By being late in the film and recency bias, bias quite possibly.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so, Claudia, any pointers on the cast for yourself?
2: I suppose what I'm wondering about is, in terms of the acting, because I absolutely agree with everything you said, even though I don't support Hitchcock's um, staff management practices, let's put it this way. Do you think the performance is actually due to actors themselves or is it the direction?
0: I honestly think you put these actors in another director's hands for a film like this, you're going to get a good performance. But with Hitchcock's direction, I think you're getting great to career-defining performances. So, continuing on what I suppose what we enjoyed about the film. Um, for myself, the cinematography. Always so sharp. It's The shots are so haunting, really, I guess is the, is the best way to put it. It does give you this kind of false sense of security at times where you're like, hmm, you know, everything seems okay here. But it's just the framing of it. There's There's always a feeling something's ever so slightly off. And... Yeah, the camera work is very sharp, but just that little placement or the movement or a particular angle, just the way somebody's framed. I mean, yeah, it's it's perfection, really, I think. Each element is at full capacity here. Um, I do think so. I do think it is at a case where it is just, yeah, everything is just working to its highest limit. And considering Hitchcock used his TV crew, at the time. Which if anyone does want to check out. It has got v- some very very well shot TV episodes for the 50s and early 60s. And I think this just shines true here. It's just them on a much larger scale. And uh, yeah amazing work.
2: Because it's the same crew that did. Uh, was it Alf- Alfred Hitchcock Presents TV series isn't it? Yes
0: which were kind of little. Short 20-minute episodes. Uh, not directed by Hitchcock himself all the time. There could be different directors on it. Um, but there were little, these little short stories, I guess. And obviously he would present it. And there might be a little ad invert in the middle from himself. And uh, the outro as well.
2: But just to go back to what you were saying about um, different symbols. Um, Sorry. Just to go back to what you were saying about the, the different symbols, the framing... I mean, Hitchcock, after all, is a master of symbolism. Like, there is nothing uh, in the in the movie that doesn't have a meaning behind it. No,
0: I mean, um, one of the key things with this is the uh, designer of the opening credits, Saul Bass, um, also did a couple of show, uh, storyboards uh, for a film as well. And which you can find very easily. Um, he did the storyboards for the infamous shower scene. And you could see how each shot was carefully planned out. Even with the storyboards. Where it's like, yeah, I mean, a scene that, uh, what, lasts a minute um, at best. Uh, how each shot was purposely, okay, we need it like this. We need it like this. We need it like this. I mean, for its time, it is aged amazingly well
2: yeah and it just shows that good old classic less is more you don't necessarily need to see the knife you know going through the body there's enough you know suggestions um, that can be shown that give you exactly same outcome as seeing let's put it this way uh, more gruesome horror scenes that we see nowadays
1: as they'd say in it's always sunny in Philadelphia it's the implication. Yeah.
0: Do you know? And I think that works. It's always... Yeah, I mean, with something like this, did you really need to see a knife piercing a body? You know? You got the point.
1: Well, someone got the point. Yeah, see?
0: Um. Okay. So, cinematography, I think we're all in agreement. Amazing, right? The camera work for a film in 1960 has aged incredibly well. I think one of the other cross points we have with the uh I suppose our likes really that we all kind of enjoyed was the soundtrack um so before I kind of go into this this always kind of makes me laugh that Hitchcock used his tv crew but he also got some of his top performers I guess in in Saul Bass obviously doing the opening uh credits and some storyboards and with the music he got Bernard Herrmann um, who would have scored plenty of these films um, and I mean Bernard Herrmann really took this to another level yes there is times where you could remove the soundtrack and it's still a very very effective film but you add his soundtrack to it I mean chef kiss really right
1: uh, well like I said to echo on some points that you've already brought up and we did say like we discussed Perkins is an amazing scene partner in this and that rebrings really how I really did like the use of dialogues in this film because when he's bouncing off someone else it elevates the whole scene and you get drawn in more because you are seeing both actors act and react in the scenes they're both feeding each other the right amount of energy and intention and that is something I think this does very well uh it's definitely like puts it in that classic category for me of like doing the basics so well it's not hard to see how this film became a classic and so many other films we've seen reference it and learn from it and although it is an older film it is being told in a way a little bit of its time in a different time it does the basics so well and it does grab your attention and yeah Herman the soundtrack he uses that music so well with Hitchcock to build suspense at moments on the film. And that's what—that's a good thing of... Now, it's... Uh, even though it's audio, it is kind of a way of doing show and don't tell, if that makes sense.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. Like, it's... I mean, a section in the film where the soundtrack really kind of kicks into gear is when Marion Crane is driving along and the music just kicks in all of a sudden... And it really elevates that little fear. You know, already we've got that fear in our face and our eyes and now our monologue. You throw the music on top of that and we're all of a sudden going, ooh. And because this film is quite brisk in its runtime as well, the soundtrack is pushing this along in the sense of like, yeah, we're not done yet. We're You know, it is pushing the pacing along, which I would argue... Modern films don't do that enough anymore. In the sense that you use the soundtrack to actually help your film move along, pacing wise. You know, just push like it is that final little nudge. And uh, what I mean by that, mainly with this film, is it 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 knows when it wants to come in, it knows when it doesn't want to come in. It kind of gives you that little bit of an act structure, in a sense that you know we know things are about to heat up. The soundtrack's going to kick in but the soundtrack might kick in a couple of seconds earlier that we would normally used to before we... Like, we're all like, oh, maybe things are going to heat up. Then the soundtrack hits. But the bang might not be there. So it's kind of the famous quote that Hitchcock always said of, it's the anticipation of the bang. You know, that, that's what we're eager for here, really. You think about it, the initial bang of this film is the shower scene, and it happens, what, 30 minutes 40 minutes into the film, not even. Um, and the rest of the film, we still, there's tension there. There's still a good use of suspense soundtrack. I just leave you hanging that little bit. So it's kind of like, you know, all, all the pieces are all complementing each other, all nudging each other along nicely to the point of, yes, it may not be Hitchcock's best film, but it is definitely something where it's just like, yeah, this is how you do it. On a very, very well, you know, done scale.
2: Yeah. And also, I suppose the fact that somebody who we considered is going to be one of the main characters is actually killed within the first 20 minutes of the movie.
0: Yeah. You know, which at the time was completely unheard of, uh, which did shock audiences, properly shock them.
2: And also the actress that was casted in that role, obviously being that iconic figure, I want to say, at the time. And seeing her being killed on screen was like, what? You know, we don't really get
0: kind of get that shock anymore um, because, you know, things are either spoiled or they're like, oh, that got a good reaction. Let's keep doing that now.
1: Or Sean Bean is cast.
0: Yeah. And you're like, he's definitely biting the bullet somewhere. Right. Um. so yeah it's like in those times this is insane I mean consider today her level of stardom I guess you're literally killing Jennifer Lawrence 20 minutes into your film and she's like top build any other likes
2: about Psycho so to your to your point uh, Deck as well I wanted to take a little bit of a different approach uh, to my likes I suppose today I basically watched this movie and perhaps instead of focusing on the technical side of things which we kind of already covered in in great uh lens I asked myself can you enjoy this movie and get similar experience in this day and age so basically I took a a contemporary viewer approach to it obviously we talked about cinematography but from from that kind of a Plain viewer perspective. I personally liked the black and white aspect of it, um, as it, for me, it felt like it sets the atmosphere of the movie really well. At light, at times, it highlights the 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 kind of the grotesque and the dramatic lighting, lighting, which obviously at the time we had coloured movies as well. Um, so I took it as a as a quite an interesting take. Marion's character, I had a bit of a love-hate attitude towards her, to be honest. When she obviously steals the money and goes on the run, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, she will be punished. Then you almost feel sympathetic towards her. Then you're like, what a dope. Uh, And then, you know, obviously for the actions she takes. And finally, it's like, run, girl. Like, literally, run now. Um, I think, to be honest with you... We talked about, um, characters and actors. To me, I think the strongest of them is, is Bates himself. I mean, that final monologue, which I already mentioned, it just, I don't know, it just sends shivers down your spine, basically. Finally, looking at the classic suspense film, this is just a, a must see. Um, I mean, from, you know, learn from the master, I guess. Wink, wink, deck. And to answer my internal question, yes, I I honestly believe you can enjoy the movie as a contemporary audience, as long as you move all the theories and academic reviews aside. Just watch it as if you knew nothing of Hitchcock.
0: Yeah, I think that is a a fair review of um, Psycho there. And I suppose the likes of like, yeah, I mean, it is one of the more famous films of of that era of Hollywood. And yeah, if you try and go in as blind as you can, you are going to learn something from it one way or the other. Whether it's stuff that you've seen done more in modern films, um, or if you've read about, or if it's been referenced so much, you know, famous music and uh, shower scene, it does have that element of, you know, this is... This is an important film in cinema, really, is the the best way I can sum up the the likes of Psycho from all three of our hosts. But I suppose it is a film that I guess we all might have that little itch of like, eh, that wasn't right for me. Eh, didn't like that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, kind of just moving on to some stuff we may not have liked about Psycho for myself, the one bit that always stands out. and I think it's always, you know, it's common with everyone really that finds a fault. Um, I can't believe I'm even saying that about a, a director's work like that of, of Hitchcock's level. But funny enough, the exposition scene, the you know, really just the vomiting out of, well, Norman Bates did this because he was this. And Norman Bates did this because he was this. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, a very well acted scene. Don't get me wrong.
1: Yeah, like this is a pattern that showed up in Hollywood even quite a few decades later in the original Blade Runner. If people might know, the studio pushed Ridley Scott to do a cut of the film with Harrison Ford doing internal monologues because they thought the audience wouldn't understand the film. So as a way to get back at them, Ridley Scott deliberately had Harrison uh, record monologue in the most uninterested tone to force the studio to be, okay, you can take it out.
0: Claudia, any dislikes of Psycho?
2: I suppose for me, I didn't particularly like the basement scene, and I, I don't want to spoil it too much for those who haven't seen Psycho, but I think Key and Dec, you know uh, which particular moment I'm talking about. But again, this is a very personal preference, um, as I do not like horrors or jump frights um but i suppose one dislike or maybe defense um look some people in the audience may not like some of special effects let's say look yes i know in in current day and age they may look a little bit fake but look It is 60s. Lads and gals, it is 60s. Things were a little bit different back then. So, when you are watching Psycho, just try and look past that.
1: Today, the misdirects in this aren't as strong as we might be used to nowadays in films. But I'm sure for the time, it was quite a bit stronger and more new and breaking ground. But watching it back with more modern era eyes, it might be as strong. So, for me... I didn't enjoy that as much but I can understand it and like there are some things as well. Some characters take a bit too much time to catch on to how suspicious Norman Bates is acting and I don't know how things were in the the 60s are they like yeah he's a bit strange but he's not murdering strange whereas nowadays I think if anyone was like that they would instantly be trying to right flag them in America.
0: As it is our Halloween spooky episode, three tears. It is either a don't see it, maybe see it, or see it. And with Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, it is of course a you know a classic. Let's put it easily. It's not just a classic because it's an old film. It's regarded as well truly a classic of cinema. So I'm going to go last with my rating, but Claudia. What is your rating with psycho?
2: I'm sure it shouldn't be a too much of a shock. It's a see it for me. Again, being a, a film fanatic um or just a, a regular you know Jane Doe in the audience. It's it's an absolutely amazing movie and I think anyone who is somewhat interested in cinema should see it.
1: Uh, I think for myself This one, I think, looking through the lens of it was made in a different era. But I think it is classic because, as we've all said, it does the basics so well. So, for me, it is a see-ish. Now, I will say, would I like this as much as some see-its made in a more modern era? Probably not as much. But I think this is a film you have to see this at least once. It's totally worth the watch.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, it's easy for me as well to just say it is just that a see-it. Hitchcock was always known as the master of suspense. And with this, he really was just showing off with that tile that he is really the master of suspense. And yeah, he really was just like, yeah, no, I can do this. And just even the advertisements at the time, he really did push this of like, I'm screwing with the audience. And I mean, that was his style. So, of course, we're, uh, we're going to enjoy that, um, even in modern audiences you know but yes that is a another resounding see it from all three of us here for alfred hitchcock psycho um and yeah that has been another episode of let's see it sure and of course this was our halloween special who knows maybe we'll be back next year with another halloween special thank you as always for listening and wherever you were listening good night good afternoon Good morning. Goodbye.